And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Son of Slovenia, cool as hell. He scores the ball and he rebounds well. Don't fight the future, honey. Don't fight the future. The future is Luca. The timing sucks because the maps are ass. But did you see his no look pass? Whoa! 77 minutes in heaven. Welcome to 77 Minutes, a Dallas Mavericks podcast, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm Tim Cato. I write about the Mavericks. I talk about them here. We're live, live-ish, live in studio in Las Vegas. We're on the concourse. We're at Summer League. And so this is, uh, this is the, the yearly trip. It's nice to be back after a, uh, an interruption. And we've got, we've got Kirk Henderson, old hey. friend of the pod. Have you been on yet? You have not had me on the show. Okay, this is funny because we have a long-standing bit between me and Kirk. Of course, of Mavs Moneyball, uh, he was uh, one of one of my editors when I was uh, the EIC. Yeah, that website? yeah, you were in charge. You were the boss. I, sometimes I like just saying managing editor. Editor in yeah. chief sounded too formal for a fan for blog. A fan blog. Yeah, right. <laughs> but uh, we had a we had a podcast that I that I would do and. We had episode after episode without bringing Kirk on, and we finally did it. And I, I don't remember if I forgot to record, or if it corrupted, or what exactly happened there. But after months of not bringing Kirk on, we did it, messed it up. You never went on. Well, it'll be really amazing if you managed to make this disappear, <laughs> because there's a lot of. It seems like there's a lot of like prof, you know professional quality going on. In I, this. I think I think they got it. I think they got it handled for us. So, summer league is is happening. Uh, the Mavericks have played one game. We're recording this Wednesday afternoon, um, so they'll play tonight. But we have one game of sample size. If we had a hundred games of sample size, I don't think it would change much in terms of how we talk about this team. This, the summer league roster, the players on it. There's really no polite way to say this, so let's just do it. Since I've been coming to summer league since 2013, this is the worst Dallas Mavericks team they've ever fielded. Uh, in years past, they've they've often had a lot of uh, G League or then developmental league, as it used to be, uh, guys that were you know a little older, guard oriented, um, just a lot of guys that were able to dominate the ball, and the Mavericks might be able to get some wins. But this group right now is at least after one game, looked brutal. The first three quarters against the Sixers, that was not, that was not basketball. I felt really kind of bad for, for you know, it's, it's hard to, to, to have some sense of cohesion after only a few practices, but they were bad. And so hopefully we'll get something better tonight. And I asked Greg St. Jean, who's coaching the team, uh, the, the one thing I was interested in, just kind of more of a mentality, mind, you know, mentality stuff, how do, you, how do you go about motivating you know, a bunch of individuals? They're on a team. They want to win. They want to win together. Right. I'm sure there is a small level of camaraderie. Mm-hmm. 
they just met each other a week ago. Um, I think a lot of it is individual, and it's just like remember that you, you know, most of these players are here trying to show off what they can do. But but that's a funny thing when you start thinking about like proper team defense and why anybody would put in the extra effort mm -hmm. to uh, to make sure they're doing that. Well, the thing I was a little confused about while watching the game was player role. So the two players I'm most interested in, and I think many of the fans would be most interested in, are Tyrell Terry, uh, his soon-to-be second-year player out of Stanford, and Nate Hinton, uh, two-way guard out of Houston. And Tyrell Terry ended up being the point guard, which if he ever is to crack the rotation with the Mavericks, let's say as like a ninth, tenth man, he's not going to be handling the ball. He's going to be catching the ball from Luka. And so I don't necessarily understand why Nate Hinton was playing off ball. It, it doesn't really play to either one of their strengths, in my opinion, because like Nate Hinton is an attack. Like That man loves to attack. And I would really like to see him playing kind of primary point and, and hitting Terry off of movement, because I think that's their most likely NBA role. Like The ball-dominant thing that Terry had going on, until he hit some threes in the fourth quarter, he looked as frustrating as I think you know could be expected. Even the most optimistic Mavs fans were like, this is really rough but I don't think he was really put in a position to succeed in the first game yeah and when you're on that roster <laughs> it's it's all downhill from there sure we don't need to talk too much about summer league uh other than you know that we, we again we have one game to to work off of I still love it though like the overreacting to summer league is the last thing we really get to do until there's a sizable break until uh training camp which right. is like into September so so Mavs Twitter wanted to know how mad you are about Mavs free agency. Ooh, what a good question. <laughs> this, has been, this, has been a, this has been a trend. This has been a, a thing that I've seen the lovable folks that are on Twitter.com. On the Bird app, they have been, uh, they've been very... But I listened, I listened to your podcast with, uh, with other Mavs Moneyball editor, Josh Bowe. Mm-hmm. I don't think either of you guys, you guys were very reasonable, no. rational about this. This is a Lifetime Achievement Award. Right. Um, being mad for years uh, is something, it's, it's my reputation. Uh, so you're, you, you're known as the curmudgeon of... <laughs> so, so on ESPN today, Zach Lowe's you know, kind of weekly piece, he had a, a rather large section about the Mavericks where he talked about, okay, the plan A fell through, but plan B is to surround the Mavericks by shooting. So if we're talking about specifically this free agency in a vacuum, I think getting uh, Brown um, and uh, a Bullock to, you know, basically catch the occasional three-pointer or a pass for a three-pointer and take that shot is, is very good because the Mavericks did not have enough quality shooting on the wings. They now have some depth. We don't have to hope as Mavs fans for a 45% three-point streak from, from Dorian Finney-Smith for a month and a half. Uh, there's, there's, some, the, uh, there's some margin for those wings to, to uh, you know, not necessarily have to perform at a high level all the time. So I think that, that in terms of what they fell back to for a team-building strategy, this offseason by itself was okay. It's the big picture going back 10 years, not just two or three, where Mark Cuban says a thing and then they're unable to complete that. And at some point, they have to figure out how to bring uh, a free agent to Dallas that doesn't come via trade. Uh, Stephen A. Smith absolutely torched Mark Cuban on his show for, for this. And it, it just, it matters. The hard part 
is up ahead. You know, I'm really glad that the Mavericks were able to get Luka to take a, a fifth of a billion dollars. I know it was a hard pitch, but now they have to figure out something different in terms of how do they get from being a first-round playoff team to a potential conference finalist. Yeah, this is this is the problem I always run into when trying to analyze and criticize aspects of the way the Mavericks have gone about free agency mm-hmm. and the offseason in recent uh, years, uh, you know, really since the title team, is that because they got Luka, mm-hmm. there is a element that this doesn't matter. Um, it, it does matter. It does matter very distinctly, but it won't seem like it will matter when the Mavericks finish as a third or fourth seed next season. I think that's plausible. I and think that's cards. very possible. I think that if they get health, you know, if they have a healthy roster, and because Luka is that brilliant, because when you put the ball in his hands, and you put shooters around him, there's such a high floor, there's such a high baseline to what this team is able to do, it, it really won't seem like such an issue. Right. And, and like at what point, like we talk about process versus results, and the process in some ways has been good with certain moves, and then the results were bad. Um, but I think overall the process has been bad, and the results have been good. Right? You look at, so you look at Josh, Josh, this Josh Richardson trade, mm-hmm. I thought it made sense at the time, and yep. it clearly didn't work. You look at the Mavs' past 10 years, bli- you know, almost blindly chasing for agencies, believing cap space alone was the one thing that would, that would net them and, and be able to sway them to this team, along with agent relationships and, and some other things like that. I think that process has been bad, but because they got the best you know, player in his generation and his, yep. in his, in his class, for sure, and I, I think... You know, like, Luke is going to be the best player of his generation. And because they got that player, the results have been good. I don't know, I don't know how to parse all that and say, well, you know, this is specific. Like, this is how much blame or fault should go to Mark Cuban. This is, you know, and, and now that we're dealing with the new front office and we're seeing what they're looking to do, how they're looking to do it, it's just a very complicated malaise of not liking every approach and strategy that they've gone about, uh, you know, they've gone forwards with, but also understanding this team is going to be that good up until at least the playoffs. And, and that is, I think, where the concerns lie, is that all the problems that were supposed to be addressed with the secondary playmaker, with the pursuit of someone like Kyle Lowry, mm-hmm. those are when those are really going to come to shine and, and, and be very obvious. Well, and what's kind of incredible is if we look at the last four to five years, uh, even going back to like 2016, um, the Mavericks have dodged so many bullets in their own attempts at free agency. I mean, could you imagine if Kimball Walker was also on this team with his unfortunate knee issues? That would be two max-level players that are not capable of finishing a season. I mean, that sort of stuff is devastating. So so there's a lot of like the, the, the road not traveled that exists for the Mavericks. But where I get, and I think many fans get very frustrated, is the framing of this. And don't set up lofty expectations if you can't close is, is sort of my you know, challenge. And the Mavericks are, are, have done very good the last several years at convincing everyone that their move is the right path. I mean, I constantly go back to the 2013 uh, miss on Dwight Howard where he you know, did whatever he did in free agency where he opted in. He was just very, he's a confusing player. And then Mark Cuban turned around and said, well, we didn't really want Dwight anyways. Well, he broke up the title team for Dwight. Like, don't say stuff like that. It, just admit, like, admitting mistakes 
is part of growth. And sometimes it feels like the Mavericks are just so convinced that, that they have to press on in, in these ways that they're not able to see some of the flaws in their own process. I mean, I agree with you that you know, Luka's going to fall out of bed and win 40 games in a season if he's healthy. So it, it's a little bit picking nits, but at a certain point we all have to understand that he will grow impatient if they don't figure out a way to make a leap. And that it's hard is, is part of what makes winning so, so it's what people want to do. It's why all these guys are such intense competitors. And so I'm just, sometimes I don't really buy that, oh, it's, it's hard. What were they supposed to do is a question I've been asked a lot. Well, I'm not a general manager. I don't get paid for that. You know, it's, it's the Don Draper, that's what the money is for, GIF. Um, and so I'm really looking forward to, to them moving past this. And, and if they're able to, you know, swing a trade, there's still some really, like, back-end free agency chatter that's going on at the Mavericks, which I don't know if we want to talk about it, but it's, it's, it provides some sort of, you know, at least understanding that the Mavericks aren't just, you know, over the last three uh, off-seasons, you know, uh, Reggie Bullock is going to be the best free agent that they've added. So it's, you know, what do you, what do you think? Yeah, we can do that. Uh, I mean, Laurie Markin, and I assume, is, is what you're specifically referring to. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. I don't know what to think about it. Um, I don't understand why he would want to take that deal uh, because he could play out his qualifying offer for $9 million a year and then go get a bigger deal next year if he's able to play through it. Right. Or and just to clarify, there's no way he and he can, like, like legally, he cannot end up here for one year. No. Sign and trades have to be at least right. three. Just the way that works. Like, it's, it's not that he is upset with Chicago but can take a one-year try right. it with Dallas. No, they would have to commit to him commit money to him if they got him on a value deal and in a in a way that you can look at him as a as a positive contract as a positive player you could flip at a later point you're still gambling a little bit on on the fit and making sure he comes here you know and everything uh works but you, look you, you put a player with luca they're gonna be good mm-hmm. um I this mean, has been my thing this is like this is why i was i, I said john collins probably isn't happening but right. you go sign a talented player it down worked. the road, it works out. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I'm, I'm still not even sure about the fit itself. Like, I, I can't envision exactly how they deploy him other than, like, a 20, 20... Like, could he get 25 minutes on this team even off the bench? I mean, I, I look for... It would be funny because the Mavericks would then have two seven-foot-tall shooting guards. Um, right. It, it would be really, you know, at least on paper interesting to see because statistically, he's a better shooter than Chris Tapps Porzingis. Like, Chris Tapps is a volume... Paul, like, defenses treat him like he's a 44% three-point shooter because when he hits threes, it tends to break everything down as the game goes along. But he's really, you know, he's like 36% at best. He's not, you know, phenomenal. Uh, Adding another shooter is something that has to be interesting. But defensively, yeah, I don't know. He he seems to move a little better laterally. But, you know, the Mavericks have, recurrently, they have six centers on the roster. (laughs) So I'm not really, you know... Somebody would have to go out. It's a, it's a very confusing uh, thing where it seems like it's talent for the sake of talent, not necessarily fit, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, what, what you just described, describing Mark, I mean, it's the same Chris Stepp's problem, the same mm-hmm. where he looks like a shooter. He has a gravity effect on the floor of that of a much higher percentage shooter than, than he actually is. And just you look at the numbers, 
you know, the, the way that he be, had his most efficient season last season. Right. I do think that gets overlooked with, uh, with the way the, the postseason series went. For Porzingis? Oh, yes. gosh, yes. yes. It's just he's not happy with his role, just like Markkanen right. wasn't happy with his role. But, but the, way, the way he pushed ahead efficiency-wise was around the rim, mm-hmm. um, which I think is really interesting, um, especially with all, you know, the continued chatter, the, the chatter that will always happen about, oh, he just needs to post up. You know, that guy's tall. Um, <laughs> incredible. I'm, I'm glad Rick was here. You know, Rick Carlisle was here for those three years, so we got that one rant. Mm-hmm. Um, still the best question I've ever asked. I liked it. That was you who asked that. I, I did right. ask that. It was, it was the end of a press conference. <sighs> yeah, thanks, Charles Barkley, for the content. It was the end. I, it, it, there was a brief pause. I, I think he was about to walk off, and I was like, you know what? I should ask him about this. I bet he has a reply, and oh, boy, did he ever. Um, so... This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Well, the other aspect of free agency that's kind of hanging out there uh, for Dallas is what happens with Goran Dragic. And he kind of got himself in a bit of kerfuffle where he went on Slovenian TV and said he had higher aspirations than playing for the Raptors, (laughs) which uh, that struck me as a man who forgot that the Internet exists because that that thing made Toronto fans as mad, and granted they get mad at everything, but as mad as I've seen the Internet in some time. uh, And... You know, I, I, I think he's an interesting prospect uh, for the Mavericks in terms of team fit because I think they need that. We, we've talked offline about how coaching can only push a team so far. You need, as professionals, they have to figure it out themselves. They don't need this rah-rah horse crap where they're you know, going to get pushed by their coach to go do things. They need to show up and they need to do it for the sake of the fact that they're professionals. And I think someone like Dragic could bring that element that was missing from the Mavericks last year because they did not really have an older stabilizing force in that, in that locker room. I mean, I think it's clear that the absence of J.J. Barea, that was, when we look at misses, we look at mistakes, we look at things that they did, you know, the Mavericks chose to do in free agency. I think that was a, a, a crucial part of that. That was Again, my worst call. Yeah, uh, look. Last season was last season was always going to be um, a cluster. It, mm-hmm. it was it was a bad season with worse circumstances, with un, even more unfortunate luck that befell them throughout the year. Um, which also goes back to the whole thing: like they might be a top four seed, they're a five seed, despite all that happening. <laughs> right. But last season, last season was 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 bad. I, I but I do think that was a factor. There there was locker room tension that 
never boiled over, but it was also never addressed. You know, it's it's a it's a two way. As wow, was there was there a dunk out there or yes, something? Yes, a very good one. Oh, a very good dunk. I can't see who number four on the magic. Okay, we're fans. We're fans of good dunks here. So, and and you know, I do think that was a, a mistake. Um, Boban Marjanovic, probably the was he the oldest player, the the the, the most so. veteran player. Yes, he is a extremely positive locker room presence. Yeah. Of course, he is not a tension resolver. Mm-hmm. He's not someone who's going to step in and say, "This player, mm-hmm. you know, come over here. Time to go to work, guys." And yeah. you guys come over here. We're going to get this resolved. Yeah. We're going to talk through stuff. He's not going to be, you know, in some ways, Brea was the Rick Carlisle whisperer. Yeah. Um, which, uh, and he was the guy, he was the go-between, the intermediary when somebody had issues with the way that Rick was treating them, which happened, happened so quite a bit. It seems many people had um, issues with the way Rick Carlisle treated them. Yeah, and, and so I, I, I do think that a, a player like that would be, would be useful, would be helpful. Um, and, you know, while we're here, we might as well segue to the aspect of coaching. Mm. And players and how they deal with them. Um, I think we just about wrapped up that that previous point. Yeah. We're just we're just talking, yeah. So there's Jason Kidd anecdotes in on Twitter in a in a book put out by Marin Fader, mm-hmm. uh, just called Giannis. And there's a lot of details of just about how hard and how blatantly, without care for, you know. There, look, kid pushed them. Kid pushed them as hard as any head coach, you know, in Milwaukee. He pushed them harder than any other NBA head coach. Essentially, there was there was a quote in there. It's like I've never ran, you know. And this was this was a practice on Christmas Eve. The team had lost the day before. Mm-hmm. Players were scheduled to fly out that morning, the following morning. Kid said, "This that's not okay. We didn't play well enough. We're going to practice anyway." Only ran much them. more. Colorfully, let's just say. Right. According to right, the book. Right. And that, it's curious. I mean, this, we've said at length, like, people have room to change and develop and, mm-hmm. and become different people. That's allowed. We don't know, like, you and I, I don't know. I mean, you don't know Jason. We don't know how he's developed uh, his coaching style, um, anything like that. If that is the type of coaching mindset he brings to this team, I don't think he lasts half a season. No. I, I, don't, I think he must know that. I, I don't think there's any way that's how he directly approaches this locker room, this roster. But we've seen, I think you were even telling me, we've seen, someone was telling me, Luca is a type of player who cares about how his teammates are treated by, other, by others, by those around him. That was part of the Bob dilemma. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just Bob and Luca. It was Luca viewing this person um, in a specific way. That was his issue with Rick. Rick, uh, within months, opened up his approach to Luca, gave him a lot of leeway. Um, you know, Luca could demand could demand certain things from Carlisle, and he would relent. He would accept them, really, just knowing that. He had to like like Luca had that position to do that, but Rick still had his you know he still had his whipping boys down the roster. Right. He still had a specific way that he liked to instill a culture of demanding you know constant demands from players, and 
that won't work if, mm -hmm. if that is the type of coaching mindset that Jason is bringing in, not after, not after Rick, not after a decade of that, and with this team, you know, three, four years of that. I, I think it's curious. I, I think that it's worth really reading those anecdotes and really just having an understanding of that as we start to watch this team and we start to watch the way that Jason Kidd approaches it, talks about how he wants to coach this team. Um, it's, it's stuff that, that needs to be kept in mind. Well, with your kind of close access to the team, you're going to have a, a lot of tough reporting to do because figuring out these things in, or whether, you know, if, if things are happening within the team that are any way similar to the way they were in Milwaukee is going to be worth keeping a close eye on because I sort of feel that, that Luca, in a certain sense, is at kind of an edge, edge of, like, he's at a precipice because he's not... He does, he's this close to not listening to anybody because he can show up and be the third best player in the league while not being in great shape and, you know, go dominate the Olympics. So I, I thought this coaching hire was curious on a number of levels. This book uh, and, and those anecdotes, you know, during the Giannis tenure, um, are just they, all they do is raise more questions. And, and to be clear, the, the reputation of Jason Kidd was, has been this for years. Yes. These, these are not... These are specific details coming to light in a way that I hadn't seen um, just as, as Not much. Not print. I mean, it's a lot of yeah. stuff that was whispered or people that didn't right. want to actually go on record. Right. Zaza Pachulia saying, this right. is the thing that happened. But there, are, so. there, are, there is, you know, when people tell you in broad strokes what Jason was like in Milwaukee, that's what they, that's the person they describe right and when there are you know anecdotes or stories you know usually stuff you know that that, that gets shared around the league they they definitely jive and uh you know they vindicate or or they they're the same types of stories they're yep. the same genre and when you consider all of that you know it it does bring a lot of light into how this person who is now leading the mavericks how has he changed no. It's the single most important question, um, and it, you know, that change means five different things for him. Mm -hmm. I think he opens the season with a spotlight on him. I, I think, I think so. I think so. Spotlight's probably the right word. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's probably the biggest question in the opening because we know what the team will look like. Yeah. They'll be pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> they'll look like they did two seasons ago. We'll right. see how good the defense is. Um, how, how Jason Kidd, you know, like there's bigger questions about how Jason Kidd's, but Kidd has changed. But one of the things I'm most interested is how, how does he change defensively? He can't, he's not going to use the same system as he did in Milwaukee, obviously. Now. Right. He doesn't have the roster for it. Um, whether the Mavericks are a top four seed, whether they have something, some more oomph in them beyond, um, you know, just this Luka, you know, this Luka heliocentric offense will be that. We know right. what it's going to look like. Whether this team has a little bit more to them a lot of it will depend on how well he can get this defense operating, what, what approach he takes to it. I don't know. I don't know exactly how, how he's going to go about that, but I'm, I'm curious to see that and how he's changed or uh, just, just how he looks at this team differently. Um, I, think, I think that's going to be a, a key question. That's another one of the spotlight things. Well, I'm curious, but I'm also not so curious as to where I'm not willing to wait a couple of months. We're, uh, we're this close to the break between uh, the NBA calendar taking a, a rest. So. We are. We are. We're close. We, uh, we must survive Vegas, Kirk. <laughs> well, thank you for having me on, Tim. This was fun. This was fun. I will, uh, I'll have to do this again. 
Yeah. And uh, I'll make sure it's a worse audio setup. We're gonna lose your audio file. Like these guys, these guys got it. Got it down. I, there's just no way that it could have happened. But that would be a, uh, a fun, a fun thing. I don't know. I just like trolling. Oh yeah. you, Kirk. It's, it's, it's what your existence on on Matt's Twitter right. is uh, is is geared towards. Right. So, anyway, thanks everyone for for listening. Not sure our schedule going forwards, but we'll have some pods scattered in throughout the uh, the break. I'm also gonna take some time off. It's needed. The season's coming soon. We'll see y'all then. Don't fight the future. Please be nice to Luca. Future four-time MVP. Oh, my God. Oh! Shut it down. Oh Let's go home. <laughs> it's a wrap, Doug. Yeah, that is a wrap. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.